0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Cyber? Hello, Robin. Ah, oh, was that a little, sort of how long could we wait?
1: Um, it was a little bit. I was just slightly unfamiliar with what Skype did, and I didn't know if it was ready, so I thought I'd wait for you to say hello.
0: Oh, it's probably updated itself, has it, again?
1: <laughs> Does that a lot, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it must be really making it better.
1: So, um, how's things with you? What's going on in your CFD world this week?
0: Uh, it's like CFD, but it's longer. It's uh, it's the uh, I've been GDPR in. Ah, so depending when this episode comes out, I'm either going to seem like I'm really behind the door. In fact, non-compliant, or uh, when in reality I'm just slightly ahead of the deadline.
1: Oh, you've still got a week, haven't you? Plenty of time,
0: yeah. It's going to take me most of that to work out what I'm supposed to be doing. How about you?
1: Uh, um, what have I been doing? So, um, GDPR, no, not oh. been worrying about GDPR. Um, as you know, I've been playing around a little bit on uh, AWS um uh, in Open Phone, right? With a bit more anger than I uh, than i have done previously. So, I think it's about 65 million cells automotive case, so that's been a bit of fun. Cool. Um, a few problems to solve there and then um been doing a little bit of work on blood flow modeling wow um, Well, it's not, it's actually if you um if you like a little bit of turbulence modeling and a little bit of maths um no. trying no. to work out shear stresses on red blood cells then um that's quite fun
0: wow that's much more exciting than I was expecting i, <laughs> I know a good course on uh, running open on aws though <laughs>
1: Yes, no, um, I've seen that course. It's um, it's been helping me through a little, um, a few bits and bobs. So the old you uh, are
0: talking about mine, aren't you? Of course. Yeah, good. Um,
1: <laughs> I assumed that was implicit. How how would I dare suggest that somebody yeah, else is? Otherwise, nicer. I'd cut you off. <laughs> yes, it was very good, helpful on the um, S3 um, usage and also AWS command line setup.
0: We try, we try. Yes, very good. Um. Does that bring us around to a topic for today, or are we going to talk about GDPR again?
1: No, let's. Li- <laughs> I don't think really. Who really wants to talk about GDPR? Well, maybe you do. Maybe you've got some... Uh, maybe you need a little rant to make you feel better, but let's leave that for another time.
0: No, I'm going to make a little note on that. They're talking GDPR. That's probably available.
1: <laughs> Just you ranting on your
0: own. So what are we going to talk about?
1: Well, it's the cloud, isn't it? It is the cloud. It's
0: Although... The cloud. But you've, you have uh, you you went away and made a load of notes on this, which is good, which means we're probably going to be more organized than normal. And, and looking at the notes, I think we may even run into another episode.
1: I think we might, and I think it's going to be a little bit switchbacky around the points. So I don't think there's um, – certainly in my mind, I couldn't partition the cloud into blocks that we could then walk through in uh, – as we talk and then leave some blocks for another episode. So I think it might be a bit of a meander
0: through the cloud. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be talking CFD social if it wasn't a bit meandering. Um, Yes. I did think though, that we should kick off with what on earth do we mean by cloud? Because you don't have to rewind very far where cloud CFD wasn't a thing. And and now it's a few different things. Um, So, I mean, what, What looks like cloud CFD to you?
1: Um, So I guess in my mind, I was thinking more just about what is the cloud rather than the CFD bit. Interesting. Uh, So the the cloud...
0: Have you seen that sticker, the cloud? It's not that there is no cloud, it's just someone else's computer.
1: Well, (laughs) it's almost an an element of uh, premonition there. So I was about to say the really easy way to describe it is just to say it's somebody else's computer, but it's not really, is it? it's not somebody else's actual hardware. Um, no, and, it, it, and
0: if it was somebody else's computer, I'd be ringing them up and getting them to fix it.
1: Well, quite. So it is, it's It's um, a big organisation, maybe Amazon's, Microsoft's, Google's, insert other cloud provider here. Um, but it's hardware, a lot of it, um, that you can rent as you see fit for your purposes, in our case, doing a bunch of CFD. Um, so I guess my initial avenue then was well what's what's enabled that to come around why what was what things have have fallen into place so that there's a, a big warehouse full of computers that you can then uh, go onto a website and look at the specs of the different ones that you want to rent for however much and off you go so i was thinking maybe we should start with just a little bit on the technology that's enabled that to come to pass
0: yeah i are we going to go are we going to make any distinction between sort of hpc and not or will we get there?
1: Well we could do. I get I guess for me the tricky one is then what do you what do you mean by HPC?
0: Well I'm thinking of so I mean you've already mentioned some kind of public cloud providers, you know, you Azure and your uh, Google Cloud platform, which isn't quite as snappy a name, and uh, AWS, and there's probably more smaller players. Um, and they're kind of relatively compact instance types. Whereas I'm thinking, when I'm thinking HPC, I'm thinking places that have got real sort of kick-ass compute power, and you, they'll let you join the queue, if you know what I mean. I can't. I'm not. I'm not sure of any that come to mind because it's not the kind of thing I use a lot of. But I know they're around. I don't know Freescale is would come under that, um, or some of the uh, Penguin Computing that sort of thing. Um,
1: yeah. I was- I was thinking um, Rescaler, maybe Crunchyard a little bit. Um, I guess for me... It's
0: called 24-7 CPU or something. <laughs>
1: I wonder how long it took them to come up with that. Um, so I guess in my mind, those ones are kind of that fit into the picture in my head that's quite CFD-specific-y, just because um, I'm comfortable and aware of the HPC stuff with regards to CFD and it being a potentially useful avenue to go down um, maybe more so a few years back, before um, there were as many sockets on a motherboard now, and as many cores on a Xeon chip uh, as there are these days. Um, but I mean, you can you can get yourself a little cluster up and running on AWS if you want, uh, and use a PBS scheduler and queue jobs on it. I mean, it's it's kind of there if you want it. I don't think it's necessarily the most cost effective way to use AWS, for example. But no. the, the capability is available should you so desire.
0: Yeah no you're absolutely right. Um so yeah perhaps that we don't need to draw a, a distinction there but I mean so what what were you thinking of in particular it, it, were you thinking of like what um technology changes have enabled this to come about is that is that where you were going
1: Yeah that's where I was going just to touch on those so I think obviously um hardware capability in terms of um amount of memory cheapness of memory um Moore's Law, some people say it's petering out. Um, I don't know, Intel are doing a good job of pushing it on. Um so there's the hardwarey bits, but then there's the um it's probably not middleware, it's not the right word. Software folk would have would have issue with that. But I was thinking um virtualization.
0: The stuff that um, you don't touch.
1: Yep. Yeah, um is for me quite a big player. Um and I was particularly interested in your view on containerisation. Um I don't know if that's if that's been key to the development of the cloud or just something that's a useful tool to use with it in its current state. But for me, virtualization's a, a given on the, the step to where we are to be able to can you know have a whole variety of different instance types on your cloud provider of choice and to pick which one you want and fire it up.
0: Yeah, no, virtualization is absolutely key. Um, um containerization I'd say probably not. Maybe for going beyond where we are now, but I would say it's certainly not uh, to the same extent that virtualization was, um, giving us access to what looks like a particular machine, but perhaps in the reality isn't. Um, and from my point of view, things just kind of got a whole lot more useful as that, um, how did you put it? The, um, Sockets on a board and cores in a socket um, exploded a little bit. I mean, what what what's routine now? You can get kind of 36 cores on a board, no problem, um, if not more. Is that right? That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then we start running into memory problem and things like that, uh, bandwidth issues and what have you. Um but yeah that sort of commoditization of the hardware in one again i'm not sure when this episode's coming out but in one of the later episodes um we were talking about um, gpus and and using uh, gpus for cfd and there's a, a description of how we are kind of riding the coattails of the of several other industries um in using GPUs for compute, um, you know AI latterly, but also just computer games and computer graphics. I think we are kind of in this case we're kind of riding on the coattails of of the uh, just the, the wider web, really. I mean, AWS wasn't built for for doing CFD on it; was built for enabling um, companies to spin up the the hardware required to deploy web apps and things like that um, just so happens that we've got to the point where those instances that are sort of also suited for for dealing with heavy loads on web apps and, and database-related queries and things like that are also relatively useful for, for doing some meaningful CFD on. Um, not very long ago, you probably wouldn't have been able to do any meaningful C- CFD on something like that, but you 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 can i mean you most definitely can because i do um and i don't know if this is a I need to be a little bit careful about having the blinkers on and just um, this is what i do so this is what this is what's available i mean there's a, there's a lot more flavours to it but um, in terms of enabling this i was going to call it a revolution but i'm not sure that's the right word um this change in, in compute Resource people will argue that this has always been the way. You've always logged onto a remote machine and, and and run your job that was too big to run locally. But whilst I agree with that, that is absolutely the case. I was doing that myself at, at university because you couldn't you couldn't run it on anything local. You had to run it on the uh, the the big SGI crazy box in some cupboard somewhere that uh, that uh, only special people are allowed to touch. Um, because that was where the that was where the hardware was concentrated. But I don't think it's quite the same. The, the availability of this commodity hardware and this kind of public cloud model means it's more disposable and more accessible. And, and it is a different. You need to look at it a different way to be able to get the best out of it. I, I'm I'm going a little bit too far down the track, really, to be honest.
1: <laughs> no, I think um, I think you dead right. Um, you mentioned the uh, accessible um aspect which is kind of key on my mind. It you're right, it plays into the some of the GPU stuff we were talking about. Um, but it also plays into our our favourite D word of democratization.
0: Oh, uh, cracky, we've been there again, have we?
1: Well no, let's just let's just skim it off the surface. All um, right. I'll get back in my box. Of that, right? So it's now a case of um and that's not just for us CFD folks who now have um on demand access to hardware that's capable of delivering for the most part what we need in terms of running our CFD models. Um, but it's the case for any business startup, any sort of organisation. It's it's kind of um, I'm not going to say democratized. It's kind of equalised the access to to the IT facilities that you need to to run a business. Any you know anybody can get access to it now, and the cost for all of them is nominally the same. Um, so I think you're right. We're kind of riding the coattails of that, and that's certainly evident when you look at the big long list of all the sorts of things you can do on aws for example um oh yeah i have absolutely no idea what at least 90 percent of those things are or do um and i don't think any one person maybe does um maybe jeff bezos but that's a separate story um but yes you're absolutely right it's just that the breadth of applicability and use case um and tool set on there is is remarkable
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you reminded me of something there because you know, I was thinking from the point of view, if you were starting a company, um, about whether you in this day and age would bother with having, having on-premise hardware. And there's, there's an argument to say you'd, you'd maybe have a bit or you'd, I think it depends what side of the, the, the cloud fence you land on in terms of, uh, whether you are comfortable not having any, any local hardware. Um, but if we get to this point again l- later in the discussion, I would quite be interested in your view on um, the the sort of use case where people discuss kind of bursting into the cloud. So they run locally most of the time, and when they've got a peak, they'll burst into the cloud. Which I personally don't think is a very. I think it's kind of the worst of all worlds. Um, But uh, maybe you've got a different take on that. But we can come back round to that. Um,
1: Yes, let's. um, uh, I'll I'll, I'll premise coming back round to that um, by saying I think I do have a bit of a different take on that one. So we should definitely touch back to it.
0: um, So, do you? I mean, there'd there'd still be. There's. We we talked about kind of what is the the cloud a little bit, but I mean, what is. What are we talking about when we're talking about Cloud CFD? Because I can, I can see various flavours of it. And, and there's no there's no problem with naming names here because I think it gives everybody sort of clarity as to what we're talking about. I mean, you've got um, your sort of CFD in the browser, you've got your SIM scale, etc., cetera, at, at, at one end, and they seem to be coming more and more uh, available. Um, and then you've got... Uh, other codes like, I'm probably going to get the name wrong, but there's a feature within Star, is it to Power On Demand or something like that, where you can essentially, from your um, local Star install, fling your case at uh, some uh, remote Crunch power and get it, get it solved remotely. You staying within the Star ecosystem, um, and then I would say all the way at the other end is kind of you do it yourself. It's all up to you. Um, there's some compute. There's some code whatever that might be maybe that's OpenFOAM, maybe that's pyfr maybe who, who knows whatever maybe it's code saturn I, I don't know i mean they're they're all open source codes i suppose it doesn't have to be open source depending sort of how it's licensed um but there's kind of three different uh different approaches all doing broadly the same thing i think ansys have some kind of relation with with rescale don't they where you could you could Deploy some of your Ansys licenses on uh, on on Rescale. I mean, licensing was one of the things that sort of held some of this up. But um, uh, can, do you, is there is there are there other models in there that I've missed out, or uh, um, other points on the continuum?
1: No, I think um, it's kind of it's a case of it's almost the point that we would you, you just mentioned of, of kind of a, of what level of um, Of cloud facility, do you make use of? So, um, you and I are both heavy users um, in our own frameworks of working. Uh, But there's, like you say, people who um, run Star, who may have in house hardware, or, you know, don't necessarily use somebody else's computer very much. And then just uh, when they need to access it. So, I guess for me, it's kind of that flexible flexible choice of how you want to make use of it I, I mean imagine there's some people out there who make no use of it at all and have all their own hardware themselves um and i'm assuming they've got some decent use case business case tech cases for doing that so
0: that's still got to um, be the majority surely
1: well yeah i'm inclined to agree with you but it's gotta um, be it's gotta be <laughs> yeah okay all right i think so but um i, I guess maybe we could we could certainly start to touch on some of the concerns that people might have with using the cloud. I think they've they've probably probably overcome some of those. I think it's at the point in its life cycle now where it's kind of been through the initial hype and there's lots of people who have stopped thinking it's a new thing and have either used it enough themselves to be not worried about, I know it's one of your hot topics, security, or seen their friends, colleagues, competitors use it enough without any issues to not be worried about security. so i guess this is kind of starting to talk down some of the use cases of of cloud it's it's you know it's a big warehouse of computers that's pretty much um whatever you think you would like in terms of what's physically available you could you can go and get one um so the instance list of all of the the big players websites is is pretty comprehensive you can do clustering on there if you want or like you say you can go somewhere that's more CFD specific or simulation specific, so rescale. Um, I know, like you said, they're pretty heavily tied to ANSYS. Um,
0: yeah, there's Penguin, and was oh, it Gompute? I've got a cold, but that's a, with a G. Um, th- there's there's plenty of players out there offering offering that sort of thing, but that I th- I think that involves a slightly different mindset um, that doesn't take sort of full advantage of, of the cloud. I mean. Uh, uh, perhaps not rescale perhaps not so much but anything that involves logging on somewhere and adding something to a queue is I think is it's fundamentally at odds for me with with one of the main benefits of um, of running in the cloud which is there is no queue um, it's I want I've got a job to run I'll fire up a machine I'll run the job I'll throw the machine away um, that's it done. Um, if i'm having to wait for to sit in a queue to then possibly run it slightly faster it's not for me
1: no um i completely buy into that and certainly from um, a consultancy workload um that makes perfect sense um why would you even maintain a um, some kind of hpc cluster facility if it wasn't flat out and like you say if you queuing it for so long then why would you why would you bother just start another one up and, and run your job at the same time um, so I guess that's really touching on the the scalability as required um, and basically the cost management against project workload um, which I think as you kind of suggested are, are probably the, the two standout features from from using it for CFD
0: yeah absolutely um, that, that there is I mean there are there's sort of several different areas which sort of require a different kind of mindset or a, a, a shift in your thinking. Um, from if you have historically run on local hardware to, to shift your workload to the cloud. Um, and there there's, there's many of them. Uh, there, some of them are roadblocks and some of them are just, Oh yeah, if I do that slightly differently, I could get this benefit that I can't otherwise. Um, and, uh, I think, like you say, we've kind of got to the point where pretty much everybody can intellectualise. You know, they they can understand these benefits of running in the, running their CFD in the cloud, um, but in in a sort of past life of this this um, this social in the discussion when we were talking about the Envio survey, um, people aren't using it. If we take that survey as, as reasonably representative, there are a lot of people who aren't using the cloud and there are a lot of people who responded to the survey who are basically just doing CFD on their desktop. Now, if they are doing CFD on their desktop or locally, maybe on a slightly bigger than a bigger than average desktop, um, we've got a few cores crammed in there, um... But they're not using the cloud and they intellectually understand the benefits of using the cloud, then what is stopping them? Um, I'm not 100% sure. And I'm wondering whether, because the thing, the breakdown there that was missing was what codes are they using? And I think that licensed commercial codes are a bit of a handbrake on cloud adoption because historically, they haven't made it easy to run their code wherever you want to. You can run it on this machine and you can run it only on this machine and don't even think about doing it anywhere else because we have got it locked down. Um, and that's no good for the cloud. The, the, it, it's, it's there one minute, it's gone the next. Um, so I'm wondering if that is a bit of a handbrake on, on cloud adoption.
1: Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, the license models never was never designed with cloud in mind. Um, so there's that there's that lockdown element um, but then there's also the the scalability element so I don't know what the the commercial license models look like these days but I'm imagining they've still got an element of um, it's costed against the number of cores that you can run on so whatever your your annual um, license fee is that's got a number a total number of cores you can utilize at any one time attached to it and if you have all of those cores in house then unless you're spending more money, you're not using anybody else's computer.
0: No. Who changed that? Somebody changed their model recently, wouldn't they, where they'd let you run over the top and then they'd bill you for it next year, which sounded oh. terrifying. <laughs> I think that's... Actually- that's like a tax bill. That's how they do tax. You can, you can earn what you like, and uh, we'll bill you for it next year.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess, I mean, for me, I don't know the dynamics because I'm not too close to the to the commercial environment here, but... I would imagine the cloud is is certainly pressurizing that license model situation and maybe that um, tax model is is a response to that um but the thing that i'm i'm wondering now is how that fits with uh, if you just think about assuming it's an ansys license model um and we've we've touched on it already so um rescale are a um cloud hpc provider partner for ansys you know that ansys promote so I'm imagining they've got some way to do a similar thing to what you described for Star, yeah. yeah. Um, which is, well, actually, if you kind of if if you've got some urgent jobs and you, you, the money you've fronted for the year doesn't cover it, then for this much you can just whiz it over to rescale and and get it fixed.
0: We've got the answer for you. <laughs> you just need you all open.
1: Well, yeah. So then there you go. So this, I mean, this is kind of a cloud-based situation but it then it touches into the the open sourcey bit um which was kind of on my list of things that have maybe enabled the cloud separate to the cfd stuff um you know the accessibility of of the hardware how in tune has that been to the accessibility of of software um i mean the example that jumps into my mind is the old um machine learning AI stuff that we, uh, that we should get around to talking about at some point from a, from a CFD slot. But um, a load of that's done in um, Python and Jupyter Notebooks, and it doesn't cost you anything to, to get access to, to that software. It's probably the same for R and a bunch of all the other stuff that I don't know too much about. But, you know, there's, there's that accessibility from a software perspective, which is, for me, hand-in-hand hand with the hardware accessibility of the cloud
0: that descends all the way down the stack though, doesn't it to the you know to to Linux and the kernel. I don't imagine many people are running their cloud c f d on a windows box on uh, on well, you can have them anywhere you like, but on Azure or on uh, a w s
1: no absolutely true, yeah okay, so maybe that's that's a good note there as well then, like you say all the way down to the o s um o s up to open source,
0: yeah so, Yeah, okay. You buy, you buying that? That's good.
1: Yeah, I'm buying that. I've bought that one. I guess so the the use case one that that we've teed up for a disagreement then is um, is people bursting into the cloud.
0: But yeah, you made, you made it sound really exciting then.
1: <laughs> well, we haven't really disagreed yet, have we? So maybe we should try it.
0: What disagreeing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See how it goes. I, I disagree. <laughs> Come on, you've got to try
1: hard on that. So you don't think cloud bursting is a good thing?
0: I think it's sort of intellectually a good idea. I, I'm i not sure how. I, I don't think that people sort of stack their local work. I, I don't think they either have a local workflow that is sort of optimum or well-suited for running in the cloud, or they try and replicate what they do locally in the cloud and miss out on loads of the the benefits, namely queuing, um, machine size, um, disposability, all that sort of thing. Um, If you had a machine, you would run your jobs differently than if you uh, um, had access to essentially unlimited chunks of compute. I say unlimited chunks of compute because... What I don't mean is you've got a gabillion cores to run on. You haven't. You've got lots of discrete chunks of cores to run on, so you can run lots of jobs simultaneously um, as opposed to one job instantly, if you know what I mean, unless you're in Discovery Live, in which case everything's instant and we're all missing out. Um, So I just don't feel that people's, if they've optimised their workflow for a local compute, resource they're gonna suffer when they try and port that into the cloud or they're only going to end up spending extra money that they didn't need to when they were in the cloud or any any number of situations but uh, I don't know is that is that maybe that's maybe that's just me because I had the opportunity at a point however many years ago it was now to to get a clean sheet of paper and go right this is what I would do locally, right? Well, this, this bit of it, yeah, that doesn't really fit very well. Or how about I don't do this way round? I do it this way round, and that makes it much nicer for doing it in the cloud. Um, my workflow in the cloud would be probably terribly inefficient if I had a local resource. Um, so it, it goes both ways, and no one is better than the other. I just don't think they gel together particularly well.
1: Okay, can you um, can you be a bit more specific about Doug. workflow? <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> help me out a little bit here. So, there's got to be a couple of key differences between what you're describing as cloud-based workflow and local machine-based workflows. Can you kind of touch on that a little bit? I'm not, I'm not uh-huh. sure they're not. I'm not going to do a very good job of describing them, but in my mind, those things aren't massively different. And the reason I say that is. Um, Up until a while ago, I ran my own workstation here, which was, I mean, it wasn't particularly heavy, but it was dual dual socket, 12 core, 64 gig of RAM. So, you know, I could throw a decent open foam case at it. Um, And I certainly I probably wasn't faced with as many, uh, with a big long list of simulations as you would be in your consulting work. So I wasn't in that scenario, but there wasn't anything massively different in my mind between my computer and a, a similar instance or however many of them on a cloud service provider
0: well I mean the the one, the one that comes to mind um, off the top of my head is so if, if you'd got in your case I mean what you've what you had locally is broadly speaking what you could fire up a version of on AWS now Um, so in that case, it possibly doesn't differ too much. Um, where I'm thinking of, if you'd invested in, I don't know, some multi-node cluster and you'd got, I don't know how many, you got 256 cores or uh, whatever, and you ran all your jobs across those locally because you could. And that was the fastest way to get a job finished was to run it across all the cores. Um, so locally you run a queue and you run it, you you run across 256 cores and you stack them up and maybe you, if you were doing a, um, maybe if you're doing some sort of, say like a your angle sweep or something like that, you might mesh it once um solve it, then reuse that mesh, change the boundary conditions, run it again, you know, that sort of thing to speed it up so you didn't have to mesh it twice, you could just grab it from, from local storage because that cost you nothing, um and, and run it again and save yourself a, a bit of mesh time or whatever. Um, whereas both of those things, whilst you could do it in the cloud, it doesn't really make a whole heap of sense. Um, you're not really Saving yourself, you're creating extra work for yourself, and you're not really saving yourself any money. Maybe a little bit of time, but I think quite often, um, uh, with a local resource, you're considering how fast can I run these um, jobs through the machine, as opposed to what's the most efficient way to get through this workflow that I've got, uh, this workload that I've got, and and the, the two aren't always the same. Um, and I guess that boils down to, to some extent in the cloud. If I want to run it on twice as many processors, it will cost me twice as much and I won't go twice as quick. So I need to really think about, do I need it? Um, do I need it any quicker or will this do? Whereas I don't think those that, that, that chain of thought... Ever, ever comes into play when you're running on a local um, resource. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: No, I, I see your point. Um, I guess some of the finer ones would be if you had a an HPC-ish cluster in-house, then you'll need to spread it over 256 cores is probably aligned to the uh, RAM available per core. So you might find you've got a, a, a RAM... Uh, reason that's driving your use of that many cores just because of how you've configured your HPC cluster, which is kind of you turn around and say, well, yes, you've just configured your HPC cluster thinking about an on-site thing and you've not thought about the cloud. So I kind of take your point there. Um, I guess in my mind, I can imagine that there's a number of um, companies with R&D departments who have got some level of HPC capability in-house, they have probably got a commercial um, software license, so let's just use Ansys as an example because it'll make my next point easier to make. Um, so you've got some HP, you've got two hundred and fifty-six cores, um, and you you try to chunk through your stuff on your cluster, and then suddenly you've got the need to get more done in an amount of time than you can get through with your current um, setup of how many cells you run and transient, uh, steady state, all that kind of stuff. Um, so in that case, why wouldn't you just fire up something on Rescale of similar um, hardware spec, um, use the fact that Rescale have got ANSYS licenses so you can kind of pay for it all in one go and just shove your extra jobs that you need to get through on there um, to get you through the hump. So that's, that's, the, that's what I think.
0: Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy cloud that. bursting. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Yeah.
1: Um, and I had another good point there that's just um, gone yeah, from my
0: mind. It can't have been very good.
1: <laughs> oh, my job is well enough done. Um, so I'm trying to. I'm convinced it's sufficiently good enough. I'm going to rack my brains for it. Um, so
0: I need some like interlude music.
1: <laughs> I'll have a sip of my whiskey, and if it's not back into my mind after that, we can talk about something else. No, it must have gone. Never mind. Hey-ho. So Fair was enough. that a draw then, that disagreement? Was that one-all? Yeah, it's probably one-all. That's one-all. Um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of into some of the use cases stuff. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering uh, if that's a, what I've just described. That seems like a relatively common potential scenario for for R&D techie departments um and ah oh, brilliant there it comes my, my wonderful comments just uh, back in. It's cool. about ski. come on um, it won't be long um and then we can go on something else so um i was thinking in terms of how you would budget um for your perceived um need for hardware and licenses so commercial access in this case um and if you knew that your workload throughout the year was going to be bumpy and you knew you were going to have a spell, say, in August, where you had to get three times as much done um, as in the other 11 months of the year. Or, you know, maybe not something as crazy as that, but you, you, you knew very well that your workload was not going yeah, to work it throughout happens. the year. It, happens. So it doesn't make any commercial sense to spec your in-house capability to the peak of that workload because you'll have redundancy for a significant amount of the year. It makes sense to... Um, spec your internal capability to a sensible point down the middle and then burst into the cloud for the other bits and to know you were going to do that. So I guess for me there's a kind of commercial driver there to work in that fashion.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Apart from the sort of you've seen the the sort of in-house purchasing and budgeting decisions where, you wouldn't even suggest not spend right we're going to spend it we're going to spend it and yeah i know we don't need it but we're going to buy don't tell them that we don't need it we're going to buy it and then we're going to be sorted for the rest of it and we'll have it then because otherwise accounting somebody else is going to spend it and we're not going to have it so let's just spend the budget and get as much as we can out of it uh, as opposed to putting it in a pot for later, where we might use it in August uh, when we come to burst it. But somebody else has actually spent it, so we can't. Um, so we're going to have to plod through. Um, uh-huh. yeah.
1: yeah, all right. I, I mean, I, I, I've been there, so I'll buy that. That's a fair point. But I
0: get that, that sort of brings up another, another aspect. And I, I'm, I'm looking at the clock thinking we're not going to get all the way through this and we are going to have to give it best for next episode. But th- that would be my, um, one of my questions for companies that are much bigger than I'm used to working in. How are they set up and how well are they suited to what is a very unpredictable, peaky, um, billing cycle? Um, how do they, how do they forecast how much they're going to spend month on month? Um, and the whole capital expenditure versus, um, capex, opex question, um, opportunity expenditure, is it? I can't remember. Um, so spending on this because we need it versus spending on this bit of hardware that we can depreciate. Um, it's, it's not something that, it's something that we're becoming increasingly used to personally, uh, you know, where you might buy a subscription to Netflix rather than buying a DVD every month. Sort of, it's a wash in terms of cost, and you might only watch a film a month. Who, who knows? Um, you didn't really want that CD. You didn't, didn't really want that DVD anyway. It was just going to clutter up the place when you'd watched it because it wasn't actually that good anyway. Uh, but you had to buy it to watch it. And people are getting used to that that idea of of paying for access to something. I'm not sure how set up sort of established companies are for that kind of that kind of billing cycle.
1: Um, No, I I can certainly see how that would be the case, and it's so it's kind of another part of the step change right from the hardware access technology element workflow. You've also got business cost management um, and then trading that up at senior level to, to kind of get the people who can sign the checks off to to buy into that so I think I think that's a fair cop um, I, mean, I think
0: I think it's so it's it's so kind of up in the air that that aspect of it that I think it's there for the taking for you know your ancestors and your seabus and what have you to if they put a compelling um, the hardware's commodity, you could you could almost run it anywhere at the back end and people don't really care um, with security caveats and things like that um, they're not too worried about where it runs and what have you as long as it's all controlled and, and what have you but if if these guys could make a, a compelling licensing or, or usage um, billing system that, that fits in the kind of Big company world, enterprise world, that in which they sell a lot of licences. Um, it's absolutely ripe for the taking. Um, and then all the other people who are doing something a little bit different, maybe your CFD in the browser, and you're potentially going to be left to kind of mop up the dregs. But I mean, that's the case anyway. This sort of if you're um, if you're not in that star Ansys. Other commercial software is available access. You don't necessarily notice what they're doing in the background and how big of a chunk of this pie that they've got. Um, and or for all we've said about open source and, and running on public cloud and things like that, that's always going to be not maybe not an edge case, but a much. Maybe it's not even the same pie. I was going to say it's a smaller piece of the pie. Maybe it's even a, a little tartlet on the uh, on the side of the plate compared to the the pie that those guys are chowing down on. Um,
1: but, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you on some of that. I guess it's still the, the, the open sourcey part of me, which is then kind of wondering for, for particular workloads or, or natures of work where you could equally easily run in principle on open foam as you could on um fluid for example i know there's some workloads and and modeling setups that you know you can't nominally transfer over from your um commercial code to open foam. but for the for those that you could um i'm struggling to see how that combination of of cloud hardware, instant availability, and essentially free software—well, free at the point of use software. Obviously, you've got to have the, um, some skills and experience to use it effectively. But I, I'm struggling to see how that's not a compelling cost case. And maybe if it's not a bit less of an edge case than than you suggested.
0: Yeah, I could I could definitely sort of understand that that argument. I just I I feel like. Potentially, for the for a certain breed of user, um, the the value prop of these commercial codes is so compelling that getting them to step into—I mean, we get into that sort of oh, okay. I've forgot my own example there. What is it? Nine X, um, the Nine X effect. You know, getting—is it how it, it's got to be real good before people want to change? Um, although. Yeah. Although well, maybe the uh, maybe if you were selling it to the the CFO who saw the uh, the dollar signs, he might uh, send make yeah. that make that change on from on high. It
1: it might not be nine times cheaper, but it might not be too far away from being nine times
0: cheaper. I don't know, better not cheaper.
1: Well, you well the, the, the for the CFO, those two things are the same. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, of course. I wouldn't know. Well, I suppose I am one of of a very small entity. But, um, <laughs> Are we going to tee some stuff up for for next time then? Because otherwise we're going to disappear down another rabbit hole. It seems like we're at a, a decent point to sort of tee some stuff up for for the next one. What do you reckon? I think
1: that's a very good idea. So the the thing the the thing that I'd like to um, go through a bit more detail next time is is the use of cloud for some of the new companies in the space. So you mentioned um, SimScale, yeah, um, which we haven't covered yet. There's some others. Um, so I think there's Invenio, there's Airshaper. I came across. Um, so uh, some Cloud. of those uh, Cloud. Uh, so some of those are kind of in the browser. Um, some of them are not so browser specific. Certainly not to the level of Simscale. But I'm just. I think there's a, there's an interesting interplay that we should uh, explore a little bit in terms of the startups who are doing something a little bit different in terms of the algorithms. Disrupting. Maybe. Disrupting difference in terms of the hardware, the GPU stuff, uh-huh. um, and how that plays with the cloud and those guys kind of pushing it from that perspective. So I certainly like to get into that whilst we're still on the cloud.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, let's stay on the cloud for another week. Um, I, um, similar, I don't know if this is the direction you were intending to take, but I'd like to sort of unpick the, um, with the advent of the cloud and the CFD and the browser and things like that, there are now um, there is now the ability to run CFD in a code that you never see, never touch, um, never have anything to do with. And on the one hand, that's a brilliant bonus. On the other hand, maybe it isn't. Um, it'd be interested to see what you think about that.
1: Okay, yeah, I think that's that. Sounds like there's a little bit more to that in terms of the code that you never see. So yes, you've uh, you've got me interested there. So absolutely we'll do that.
0: Sounds like a plug. Well I think we've um, take... got.
1: Cool. I was just gonna say so that maybe maybe we should just bring it back, back around a little bit to to sign sort of the, the, the views of the of the big commercial folk. We've kind of touched on the use cases, maybe not from their perspective but from their customers' perspective. So I'm just kind of wondering, you know, obviously Ansys are quite in with Rescale and there's a whole bunch of other people out there. Um, And there's a particular example um, that I'll just pull up because it's kind of relevant to some of the things we talked about. So I mentioned Crunchyard as as one of the cloud providers. I noticed um, the other week that they're actually now renting um, clusters um, on the site of their clients um, so instead of you renting the the hardware that's in their warehouse, they will now deliver it to your premises.
0: Well, they'll drop you a container or something.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll drop you a container with whatever hardware in you wanted off the back of the lorry, um, and with
0: CFD engineers in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. So I mean, it's an interesting slant on the on the view that we've been talking about of all the benefits of the cloud of the computer being somewhere else and somebody else manages it and make sure it doesn't fall over and keeps it cool and all these other things. Um, and so my perception that I'll do a little bit of digging on before we touch on it again next time is um, that this is to kind of deal with people's security concerns okay, and also data set transfer over a nominal internet connection. Um, so those are kind of maybe two dynamics that, are a little bit more of a pressing issue for people than I thought they might be, given that there seems to be a bit of a business case for now delivering HPC to your doorstep.
0: I like it. There's a, there's a case for delivering almost anything to your doorstep these days. Next, it'll be coming on a drone. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. in your backyard.
0: Yeah, if you haven't already looked it up, and uh, this is either to you or anybody listening, and you don't know what an AWS snowmobile is, then uh, check that out.
1: <laughs> I've not heard of the bill, but yeah. I'm going to have a look before we shout next time
0: see if you want one of them turning up at your house okay. right good to talk to you Simon
1: and you Robin take care cheers man
0: bye bye